0: Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookshead. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to, so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We're going to start a series on its personal. Uh, This is part of the transformation of Emmanuel, something that I believe God wants us to grasp through this whole coming year, uh, is to develop our personal walk with God, our personal walk with Jesus. And if you're joining us today and you're not really sure what this is all about, you're not part of our church, maybe you're not part of any church, but you thought you'd jump online and and kind of try to figure things out in the middle of this craziness, I hope that you will not just stay on through the end of this message, but that you'll join us in the coming weeks online, and then hopefully soon in person here at Emmanuel and Hooksit. It's personal is the title of the sermon, and those of you that have been part of Emmanuel for a while, I know you're probably wondering, do I know how to preach anything else on Easter, but it's personal. Uh, Yeah and no, because Easter is the day that made God the creator personal to his creation. Without Easter, without, without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, religion would be cold, and it would be dead, and it would be empty, and it would be rules and regulations. It would be standards, and it would be things that are impossible to meet that you'll never know if you reached the standards. But with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God moved away all of those things, those barriers between Himself and His creation by Jesus taking our sin in His body on a cross. And then by rising from the dead, we can now have this personal connection with God that previously really wasn't possible for all people. And so I want to say this, the resurrection of Jesus provides us with real hope Today. Hope that is not in a in an impersonal religion. Hope that's not in a series of rules and regulations that you must follow, but hope that's found in a relationship with Jesus and a relationship that is intensely personal. If I were to if I were to tell you what is one of my favorite things about being a Christian, being a believer, at the top of the list would have to be my sins are forgiven. My shame is removed and my guilt has been taken care of. Uh, But really, because of that, what has to be even higher than that is that I can have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. I can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, And the removing of my sins, even though it's, Absolutely vital, and it gives me great relief. It's what that removing of my sin and my shame and my guilt provides me with. Not just a home in heaven, and I'm excited about that one day, not just a home in eternity with God, not just an escape from hell and the punishment of my sin, but it provides me with a personal relationship where I can walk with Jesus in a very real and poignant way. Today, I don't have to wait until I cross death's threshold to enjoy the presence of God. And this is what is so transformative and what I believe will transform your life and transform our church that will make us far more dynamic than we've ever been is that if every member of Emmanuel and every one of you online will be able to grasp this truth and then maintain it, it's absolutely mind-blowing what God can do through you and in you. It's the joy of your salvation. It's, it's what Peter refers to as joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's that inexpressible joy, and that comes from that personal walk with Jesus. In John chapter 20, if you turn there, John chapter 20, we're going to start reading in verse number 11. And, and this is... This is One of my most favorite scenes in all of the New Testament is the phrase that's on my screen now and perhaps on your screen down in one of the corners. Jesus said to her, Mary. Let's begin reading in verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She came to the tomb on the very first resurrection Sunday, not knowing that Jesus had yet risen. And she's looking in the tomb, and the tomb, the body of Jesus is not here, but what she saw was two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. I don't know why she didn't know. I think he was hiding it from her. Have you ever, have you ever um, ha- done a surprise party for someone? Anybody? Anybody in the room here? <laughs> That's hilarious. There's just two people in the front and three people in the back. Uh, who raised their hand? Did Donna's Don like, yeah. This is what I imagine as Jesus kind of hid himself, his, his visage from her so she didn't recognize him just so he could surprise her. You know what I'm saying? Just so he could just, man, lift her spirits. Why are you weeping? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And, and Jesus said to her woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir... If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And this is how he reveals himself to her. Oh, I love this so much because it reveals, and it's not the first time that you see this type of relationship in the life of Christ while he was on this earth. But it's the kind of relationship that you can have with him this morning and for the rest of your life. He looked at her and he said to her, Mary. Man, as soon as he said her name, she turned to him and said to him, rabboni that is to say teacher. Oh, dude, just, it's just an amazing thing. And then he talks about needing to ascend to his father first. He had some work to do before he could be held there And so Mary came, Mary Magdalene, and that's an important point that we're going to make here in a minute, came and told the disciples what she had seen and that he had spoken these things to her. So powerful, so important, um, so really almost magical in a a real sense is this moment where where Mary meets the resurrected Jesus. Jesus. When we talk about it being personal, I want you to understand that as I open this morning, God desires a personal relationship with you, a connection with you. And in this day and age, it kind of sounds trite to me, even just saying it, because it's become cliche. Reli- a relationship over religion, right? It's a bumper stickers, it's, it's become kind of this, this tacky cliche that I think, Misses the mark. Sometimes we want to be so clever in our tweeting and in our posting, and we want to condense sermons into a sentence that we do not convey the depth and the importance of what we're trying to say in a brief few words. I want you to just take a minute here this morning and realize that God, the God cre- that created the universe, heaven, hell, the angels, All of life, the trees, the mountains, the seas, that this God desires a relationship with you and me is indescribable. It's indescribable. Let me ask you a question Have you ever met someone that you really didn't like? Maybe they had some quirks that just kind of drive you crazy? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. I'm just kidding. Um, But every now and then in life, we, 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 we come around some people that make our teeth go on edge, set our teeth on edge. And then we try to, what do we try to do? We try to avoid them. God knows us at our worst. And He does the opposite. Instead of trying to avoid us, He tries to draw us to Himself with all of our imperfections, with all of those things that might drive everybody else crazy, He draws us to Himself. And and I want to take a moment to show you Mary, who Mary was, so you can understand that this could have been you in the garden tomb 2,000 years ago. And it can be you this morning where Jesus speaks to your heart and says, Melissa. Or says, Donna. Or even says, wait for it, angel. Who was Mary before this moment? Who was Mary before she met Jesus? She was a woman whom to the world at the time was less than worthless, was more than trouble, was full of sin and full of sorrow. The Bible teaches us that she was thoroughly possessed with evil spirits, what we would refer to as demons. And into this woman's life walked Jesus and He turned her life upside down and His presence became her joy and His mission became her mission. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope that you do, turn in them to Luke chapter 7, verse number 40. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus is at this, this fellow's house and he's having a meal and, and the fellow says, teach it, teach say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. Who can't identify with that today in the United States of America? Most of us are in debt. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I'm forgetting to hit the slides. (laughs) Ah. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to them, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, there's this woman here in the house. Do you see this woman? I entered into your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Now in the Middle Eastern culture, you would come into a home with your sandaled feet and they'd be full of dust from the day. And and that was traditional where you would take your sandals off and someone would give you some water and you'd wash your feet or a servant would wash your feet. and, And this week, I think in one of our Daily doses of Emmanuel. Some some of you guys might have talked about washing the feet and the heart of a servant. So he looks at Simon, you gave me nothing to clean my feet, but this woman fell on her knees at my feet, washed them with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, Her sins, which were many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now, I want to make a distinction. I want to make sure we understand this. He asked Simon the question, who loves more, the one who's been forgiven more or the one who's been forgiven less? Simon correctly answers, the one who's been forgiven more. Now, if we're not careful, we misunderstand this passage, and we think that in order to be forgiven more, we must love more. That is not... What he's saying, remember the context is, this is revelation, not direction. Okay? He's revealing why is this woman at his feet, washing his feet with her tears, wiping his feet with her hair. Why is she doing that? Because she loves him much. Why does she love him much? Because she had great sin in her life, and it was forgiven. The Son of Man is the only one on earth That has a power to forgive sins. So she wasn't washing his feet because she needed forgiveness. She was washing his feet because she was forgiven. It's an amazing distinction, but it's very powerful. He said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven, and those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, "Who is this who even forgives sin?" And he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Not your hey, no, listen. Not the washing of my feet. Your faith has saved you. Now go, and listen. Uh, we read this so quickly. Now go in peace. And I'm like, oh, go in peace, dude. Go in peace. This woman did not know peace before her sins were forgiven. Now, I believe that this woman was Mary Magdalene. I don't have proof for it, but I believe that's who she was. Now, it came to pass afterward, he went through, through every city and village, preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come Seven demons. And, and often we hear, uh, if you study this, you, you read the word seven. It's a, it's a number of completion. and That's why I said that she was completely and thoroughly possessed by evil spirits. She was a mess. And that's why I believe she was the woman washing his feet with her tears and her hair. Johanna the Su- Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Who was Mary And and I wanted to to pick this up um, this morning because it's absolutely vital that we understand this. This is the foundation of a personal relationship with Jesus and God the Father and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit is that our sins are canceled, our sins are cleansed. That's where our personal relationship with God begins. Without that cleansing, without that forgiveness, first of all, there is not much love in our hearts for God. Now, you might say, oh, I love God. And I might say, prove it. I run into people and they say, oh, I love God. And I say, well, when was the last time you went to church? Well, I don't go to church. Well, church is God's creation, not man's creation, the church that Jesus dwells in. You might say, I love God. And I say, when was the last time you served Him or served others in His name? Not just serving at a food bank because you love the homeless, but serving at a food bank because you love Jesus and you're representing Him to them. Something that can not only feed their bodies, but can feed their souls. People say, oh, I love God. But again, I would ask you, prove it. But when you have had your sins forgiven, You have experienced the highest form of love from God. And that love flows into you and then it can flow out of you toward others and toward God. To whom much is forgiven loves much. It's revelation. Do you love much? Maybe you don't love God much because you haven't yet understood and really experienced the forgiveness of your sin. Maybe you're someone that says, ah... I don't really feel like I have that much sin to forgive, be forgiven. And that, if you're looking at your screens or you're following along with the notes, is a twofold problem. It's it's a twofold issue that we have. One is one is that we don't think we're that bad. It's part of our problems. We don't think we're that bad. The other problem is we think we're too bad. Both are terrible issues. Whether you think you're too bad for God to forgive or whether you don't think you're that bad, why would He need to? Both of those issues will keep you from a personal walk and a personal relationship with Jesus, with God the Father, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Both sides of that coin reject the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the need for it. One is self-righteous and one is doubt. Let's take a look. Why is this a twofold problem? We're going to go to Revelation. We're going to find out a little bit about heaven this morning, a little bit about eternity with God. The city had no need, this is New Jerusalem in heaven, had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated illuminated it and the Lamb is its light. And the nation of those who are saved Those who have trusted Jesus as their Savior shall walk in its light and the kings of earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. The earth is going to be remade without the curse. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring their glory and honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the lamb's book of life the twofold problem are travesties of deception see the enemy does not want us to think that it is possible for us to be certain of a home in heaven and a relationship with God that is vital and personal. The enemy doesn't want that. He wants you to stay lost in your sin, either a sin of self-righteousness, I'm not too bad, or the sin of doubt, I'm too bad. Well, the Bible teaches us that nothing that defiles can enter in to the city of God. Well, that's a problem. Nothing that defiles can enter into eternal love, not life. Not the worst and not the best. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That literally means we have all sinned and have missed the mark of God. Now you might say, oh, I try to my best to keep the commandments. I don't steal, I don't lie, I'm not an adulterer, and I don't think I've killed anybody. Then you start getting into, that. I don't covet, really? Because that's probably one of the greatest sins in the United States of America is keeping up with the Joneses. I don't covet. But the reality is, the law is not the only perfect standard that God establishes. The perfect standard of God is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the measure by which all men will be judged. Now that's a problem because I don't even come close to that perfect standard of Jesus. I don't always love my neighbor. Heck, I don't even think I always love my wife or my kids. I'm not always forgiven. I mean, forgiving. There are sad times when I might bear a grudge. There's a business in town that when I was about 16 or 17 years old, tried to take me uh, for a few hundred bucks. And back then, when you're 16 years old, 500 bucks is a big deal. And to this day, I won't tell you what the business is, but to this day when we drive by that business, almost every single time if Trisha's in the car, I'm like, bleep bleep scum. And she's like, really? Hasn't it been long enough? (laughs) When are you going to let that go? I'm not always forgiving. I certainly can't measure up to that perfect standard of Jesus. And if I can't measure up to the perfect standard of Jesus, I can't get into heaven. I can't get into eternal life. I can't get into that new and beautiful city. I can't have a personal relationship with God because the Bible also says my sin separates me from God. This is the meaning of Easter. It's the meaning of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is that now I can, but how? Nothing that defiles a man and nothing that defiles shall enter into that kingdom. You may not be an awful person, you may not kick your dog or cheat on your wife or lie to your kids, but if you've told even one white lie, that stain on your soul is enough to defile the perfect city of God. You see how the problem is twofold? If you think you're so good, you will never reach out for the gift that God has prepared for you. And likewise, if you think you're too bad, you might too, be too afraid to reach out for that gift because you might not feel worthy. Well, the reality is no one is worthy, and that's why it's free. Some of you that struggle with thinking that you're not that bad, you're like Simon. When Jesus was talking to Simon, it was sort of a little, uh, a little subtle jab at Simon, He that's forgiven of much loves much. He that's forgiven of little loves little. And Simon, you have done nothing for me since I entered this house. Simon didn't really think he had anything to deal with in his own life. Simon didn't have faith in the Holy One of God. Maybe you think your little sins aren't that big a deal. But I challenge you that even one sin stains the soul as much as another. And that you cannot clean it up yourself you just can't i used to oil paint i love i still love oil painting i haven't done it in years and you start painting this picture and it's looking pretty good and then you start fiddling with it because you think it can look better and then you start fiddling with it a little bit more and you start trying to fix the painting by adding more paint and just trying to clean it up and the next thing you know the painting just looks like mud just like a big, messy, muddy picture. That's us trying to fix ourselves. We need the master to come in and step over and take over our lives. There's hope for both the person who sins little and there's hope for the person who sins much. And I believe this, the Holy Spirit is even now confirming this word to your heart and you're beginning to feel the weight of your sins, but you're also beginning to see hope in the resurrection of Jesus. If you feel in yourself worthlessness and hopelessness, your sin is not so great that you you will not be forgiven. It's not too great for God to overcome. You see, on the cross, Jesus said about seven words. And one of the words, one of the phrases that He said, is it is finished. It is finished. By Jesus going to the cross and dying, he made a way for us to come back to himself. It's the only way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. I and my Father are one. The only way back to God, the only way to have the smallest sins in our lives washed away and the darkest sins in our lives cleansed away, the only way is to come through Jesus. He is the perfect standard. We must somehow exchange His life for ours. We must receive His perfection. His righteousness must cover our imperfection and our, our unrighteousness. And the way He did that was He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. In the person of the Son, God came to earth, suffered and died for the sins of His creation so that He could wash away the smallest sin and the deepest stain. This is why Jesus died. It was extreme. I want you to think about it. It was extreme. And it had to be. The only way to cleanse the sins of the, uh, the, sins of the world was an extreme measure of the cross. On the cross, he hung there, and he felt the weight of the world on his shoulders, the weight of everyone's sin, your tiny little lie that you don't think is a big deal was a weight on the shoulders of Jesus Christ as he hung on that cross. Those of you that don't think you're that bad, whatever badness you have was a weight on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. He hung there and he paid the penalty. He paid that eternal fine for your sin. And those of you that might be more on the other end of the spectrum, I'm so bad, I'm too bad, I'm not worth it. Listen, man, to you I say this, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He he would have died if it was just for you. Your sin that you look at and you think is so deep and so dark and it's the stuff nobody else can see and you lay awake at night In your shame and in your guilt. Don't hide it from Jesus. He's already seen it. He saw it. He wept in the Garden of Gethsemane over it. And then he stood up, as I mentioned last week, resolute. And he walked to the cross to bear your stain, to pay the penalty of the deepest and the darkest. The smallest and the lightest. That is what it meant when he cried out, It is finished. The debt of our sins was paid in full. Maybe you're here and and you've had a credit card or maybe a car payment or maybe some of y'all have had your mortgage payments. How good does it feel when you make that last payment? See, sin, it's like a debt. It keeps adding up. It's got compound interest. You may say it's just one little white lie, but man, that little white lie, lie, it's just compound interest. And you need someone else to come and pay it off for you. And that is what Jesus did on the cross. That is what it is finished meant. It meant this. It has been paid in full. Stamp the ledger, paid in full. That deep dark sin, paid in full. That little white lie, Paid in full. That is what the cross meant. This is what it meant when He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He was going to pay our sin debt in full, and He did. Have you made it personal with Jesus yet? When He rose from the grave, it was God's stamp of satisfaction that the debt had been paid. That was God saying, It is enough. Rise, my son. You have paid the dead off in full. And when He rose from the grave, when He rose from the dead, that is what made it possible for us now to have living spirits that can communicate with God the Holy Spirit. We can have a new life. We can be born again. Have you made it personal with Jesus yet? I hope that you have. Have you come to grips with the fact that your sin must be and can be forgiven only by God through Christ. So many religions today force a brand of religion that makes it all about the person's performance. Do good. Be good. Go to church. Give your money. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be good enough. You'll do enough works. You'll give enough money. You'll attend enough services. And the problem with that is, it's a bait and switch game. You never can know whether or not you've reached that perfect standard. And I'm here to tell you, if that's what your religion is about, you cleaning up your act, you being that good person, when you die, you will be sadly informed that you were not good enough that your good can never outweigh your bad that's bad news but the good news is Jesus wants to jump on the good side of that scale he wants not only jump on the good side of that scale with his blood he covers over the bad side of that scale as if there was nothing on it and that is amazing that's why we call it amazing grace this is why we can have confidence. This is why we can know that we are going to heaven. This is why we can know that God is not just my creator. God is my father. Because even the smallest sin in my life that would have defiled heaven has been scoured clean by the blood of Jesus. He took the hit. He took the punishment that we deserve. And this is how God becomes our father. More than just our creator. This is how it's made personal, and this is how it begins for us. Believers that are watching this, I know this is all elementary to you. It's all basic. I hope it hasn't lost its wonder. I hope it hasn't lost its shine because this beginning is only supposed to be the beginning. It opens the door to building a personal relationship with God that no one without Him can possibly understand and enjoy. It's part of Christianity that that I think many miss, the building of the relationship. Philippians calls it the working out of our own salvation in fear and trembling. So, to sum up, you must trust in Jesus and nothing else if you're trusting in your own denomination, it's not enough. It's not enough. Being a Baptist is not enough. I mentioned it last week. You name the religion, Mormon, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic, you name the religion, if you're trusting in religion, it's it's not enough. Because if religion is teaching you that you have to clean yourself up, fix yourself, that it's a possibility you can do enough good, but you'll never know, that's not God, that's torture. God came to give us faith, to give us confidence, to give us joy. There's no joy in constantly striving for something that you'll never know if you've attained it. There's joy in striving for Jesus and loving Him knowing that we are secure in his hand. There's joy. Do you think this girl, this woman, that was kneeling at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her tears and wiping his feet with her hair, do you, do you think that she was sad? My friends, she was, she was joyful. I believe those were tears of joy. She thought nothing of it. Some of us think how humiliating. To her, it was a privilege. It was wonderful because she had been forgiven of much. Now, if you're here this morning and you would like to enjoy that forgiveness and that relationship with God, trust in Jesus, nothing else. Trust in Jesus, nothing else. Maybe you'll bow your heads with me where you're at and close your eyes and Join me in a prayer. If you would like Jesus to be your Savior this morning, and you want to know for certain that your sins are forgiven, the smallest to the greatest, would you turn to Jesus in your heart right now? First of all, you have to understand, whether I've sinned little or whether I've sinned much, I have not reached the perfect standard of Christ. And because of that, if I were allowed to walk into that city of God, I would defile it. And so God cannot allow that. So I believe that about myself, that I need some cleansing. I need some forgiveness. Now, do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh? The Bible teaches that He is. He says this, I am. That's the name of God. The Bible teaches us that the Word was made flesh. The Word of God was God. Folks, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is God the Son and the Son of God. And then you believe that He died on the cross, and when He did, in that death, on His shoulders were all your sins, past, present, and future. Man, if you believe that, you're almost there. You believe that He rose from the grave? Uh, all over the world, there are services and worship happening today because of that event that shook the universe Jesus rose from the grave if you believe those things will you trust in God today to forgive you of your sin not because you're turning over a new leaf not because you're going to be better and do better and make a deal with God but because God has provided for you the perfect solution and that's the death, burial and resurrection of his son Jesus pray with me Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. I believe that He came to this world so that He might die for the sins of the world and that includes mine. And I believe that He rose from the grave. And Father, God creator, I offer the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. He said that He said that it was finished and that my sins were paid in full. And I believe that today, Lord Jesus, would you be my Savior? Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new life. God, make me your child. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. Would like to know more? Please go to our website, EmmanuelHooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is EmmanuelHooksit.com. Bless God. Get out there and be the blessing.